Alright, today we have Aristotle Domingo with us. Uh, we're kind of taking a different path because Aristotle is in military, not a veteran. Um, however, has some life stories that can be uh, compared to someone that is a veteran or in the military. Regards to loss, physical, uh, physical. I don't want to say disabilities. You can, you can say disabilities. That. Okay, <laughs> physical disabilities, um, and, and I'm sure that there's a lot of mental health uh, that goes along with the loss of limbs um, as well. So <clears throat> today we have Aristotle. He's uh, the founder of uh, Amputee Coalition of Toronto. Um, you're also an athlete. Yeah, uh, you do. Uh, lots of different, is it charitable fundraising runs? Is that what you classify them as? Yeah. 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 Uh, and then you do some other runs as part of sponsorship and stuff like that to raise right. awareness. Uh, heavily active on your social media. Yep. Uh, but that's not just like for you, it's to inspire as well and uh, help others get out. I know you personally, um, you've been <coughs> a great ambassador for the veteran community already. So we thought that would be great to have you on. Um, maybe we can start with a little bit of a background for you. You didn't grow up in Canada, right? Yep. So maybe if you want to sure. start that. Sure. Um, I, was, I was born in the Philippines. Um, I came here um, early on in life, uh, probably around grade 8, grade 7, grade 8 was when I came to Canada or emigrated to Canada. Um, I grew up in the east end of Scarborough, Malvern to be exact. Woohoo, Malvern. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no one. No, I know, I know. Well, well, what's, what's the neighborhood? Malvern. Melbourne. So it's, it's quite known as a bad neighborhood to begin with. That's why I everything's say, adding up right to, now. To, yeah, tear up <laughs> to Melbourne, and then the Melbourne comes out is what we say. You know, oh boy, the Melbourne comes out. Um, yeah, and then I've uh, just been living in Toronto uh, my whole life, uh, pretty much. And then in 2001 was when I actually started my journey into um, what you probably you know bring up later. But um, I am a double amputee. Um, that means I've lost both my limbs below my knees for my, in my case. Um, I had my first amputation in 2017 uh, from a bone infection that's been going on for about uh, 17, 18 years. And then just in 2019, um, the same thing happened on my right, uh, which was sort of somewhat expected when you have a limb uh, like mine or issues like, like what I had. Um, and so lost the right leg uh, in 2019 and uh, since 2017 I've gone back to running uh, finding that I can actually do physical things again um, and uh, I've been running ever since and, and to your point earlier uh, yeah I do a lot of um, charity runs um, running for charity um, and then also just for my own satisfaction of just being actually to, to, to do those things um, for my own self yay for me you know I, I can do this and a lot of people ask me this and I'm probably going on further than, than what you wanted to find out but you know, did you start running because you're an amputee and to prove people that, you know, that you can run because you're an amputee? It wasn't for me. Um, my goal was to get back healthier and do the things I love to do uh, that stopped me from doing a lot of those things was my disability. I really don't actually find myself being disabled now. I was more disabled earlier on in life um, before my amputation. So it's a weird take on, on my amputation and my disability because I don't ever look at myself as disabled now. I'm more able now than I was before, before would, you say, would you say that's like the silver line in tragedy like it's created it's opened other doors in your life that oh absolutely yeah, that you no. are, before you wouldn't probably wouldn't be involved in oh yeah no um my whole story kind of you know took left turns and right turns everywhere uh, if i go back to my 2001 story um i was pursuing a career in in theater actually uh, as an actor um I, I i go to dance classes i go to acting classes i go to music uh, voice lessons classes so the whole works, and I thought my life was just that. I determined to do that, been doing that all my life, uh, growing up. And then all of a sudden, the pool, you know, the rug was pulled from under me, and I just came home and I said to my mom, "It's funny, I had an audition the following day, and I said to my mom, I'm not feeling well. When I will get some rest because I have an audition the next day, can you just wake me up?" Um, I unfortunately woke up three months later, or maybe fortunately I woke up three months later in a hospital. Uh, my mom, the story is, my mom had woken me up as she promised, or you know, to say, I'll wake you up for your, uh, your audition. Um, I followed her to the bathroom or on my way to the bathroom and I collapsed uh, in our hallway. And following that collapse is me ending up in ICU um, in a coma for three months um, and also on my deathbed, really. Um, they were told, my family was told that um, 
I wasn't going to make it past midnight. Uh, my system had started shutting down, and if my brain shuts down for that part uh, towards the end of the day, that it would probably be it, and it would be better to call, um, you know, my priest or whatever to give me my last blessings. Um, they've also given my parents an option to pull the plug on me. Uh, I said, you know, there's really nothing more that we can do at this point. Um, you either pull the plug now or you, you know, you just let him be a vegetable. Um, and uh, my sister is saying, you know, you know what, he's a hard-headed guy. And if we do this, he's probably going to haunt us for the rest of his dying, you know, his death. <laughs> so uh, we're not going to pull the plug on him. And, um, and so here we are. Um, you know, I stayed in the hospital for about a year and a half um, after waking up. Um, I was on dialysis. My whole body was covered in bandages. Um, basically, how my body was, and you probably see the scars on the camera. Um, basically, was starting to um, kill itself. So I had sepsis, and what that does is it just, you know, uh, kill all the nerves and 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 everything on its path. Um, and so I lost a lot of um, uh, tissues on my legs. Uh, but they kept, you know, they wanted to keep it and repaired it so that I'll have legs and, you know, they won't resort to, to amputation. I'm supposed to be a quad amputee, actually. It's supposed to be both arms, both legs. Uh, when they were given that option again, my family was given that option to... Uh, supposed to be. Could have been. Could have been. Could have been. Um, yeah. <laughs> they said, you know, in order to save his life, because I made it past the midnight, is we had to amputate all four of his limbs because the blood needs to go back to his heart or he'll just die this way. Um, again, my sister goes, nope, can't do that. Um, if we do, he's a dancer. He'd probably never forgive me for allowing us to do that. Because, you know, the hope is still there that I'm going to able to, you know, I'm going to be able to walk. I'm going to be able to go back to the things I was doing. Um, that wasn't the case. So it was a total turnaround for me. And I had to turn, you know, turn my life around. Um, following that, 17 years later, the, the issues continued with my legs, not being able to fix it. Um, Heart disease came right after that, uh, two heart attacks, um, overweight at the time as well, and just nothing is happening. You know, depression sets in because you're just on the couch, uh, not doing anything, can't do anything really. Foggy all the time because I'm always on antibiotics, um, a lot of pain medication. I live off of Tylenol and Advil and morphine and anything you can think of to kind of just make my day happen for me. Um, and then, you know, when my body just can't take it anymore and I can't take it anymore, um, I said to my doctor, well, what else can we do? And, and uh, he said, well, there's, we could either remove the bone that's infected and see if that works again, or we go with the amputation route. And I said, take it off. I'm, I'm done. I am done. I don't want to do this anymore, so we'll, we'll do it. We scheduled the, the surgery, and uh, I, yeah, after recovery, I just, so to your question, and, and a long-winded answer to that, it was, now I can do the things I wanted to do and, and opening up the world instead of, oh, whoa, you know, I'm a disabled person now. I, that's where I was feeling I was more disabled than before or before my amputation because after my, after my amputation, I went back into running um, and talking about opening up the world. I mean, I met you guys and, and that's, you know, there's always those things that if this didn't happen, I wouldn't meet these amazing people and doing all these amazing work. So for me, I took it as it's an opportunity for you to turn your life one more time, turn the page on your life one more time and have another chapter, right? So that what I ever, I learned throughout that journey of, of 17, years, 17 years of dealing with a disability, if you will, and then coming out of that and seeing that as a positive impact in my life, if I can, if I can move that forward to somebody else, whether that's advocacy for them or teaching them about self-love or sharing my mental health issues or whatever it may be that I dealt with in my journey, then I'm doing something else with it instead of just, you know, just kind of going, well, now I'm a victim. This time around, I'm not seeing myself as a victim. I'm seeing myself as I've come outside of that darkness and into the light. And so what can I do positively with it now? And so that's why I look at my amputation as a, pos as a positive instead of a negative. And it's really just a way to turn anything around if you look at it on the other side of that, right? Did you always see it that way, though? Like, I'll give an example. A lot of people don't... Um, understand that, especially in the military, they expect that the amputation comes from the leg was blown off. It's not always the case. Sometimes, like your situation, it's like a process of, okay, we can keep it or we can lose it. Right. Um, so going through that process, like what, what's, 
what is that that thought process leading up to that? And like, I couldn't imagine the day before where you're like, this is my last day with my leg kind of thing, right? Right. Like, what's what's so tra trauma is different in that, you know, you wake up a lot of times, like you say, you know, if you're blown up, you wake up in a hospital and your legs are missing. I had that in a, in a, in a, in a um, sort of smaller um, dose, I guess, if you will. I woke up from my coma with half of my feet missing, right? And, and they said, oh my gosh, she's going to wake up and he's going to look down and his legs are black. Because they're all in wait, the wait, wait, back up. Where's that part? I, don't, I didn't even know. I know you, and I didn't know this part. <laughs> that's so that you, you first they took off half your feet. Yeah. So okay. because in order from in order for for you to survive when you have sepsis is that it's like necrosis, right? Like yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah. is. It turns black, and you're pretty much smelling of death because you're all black. Like this is all black at one point. Um, you see the big scar here. So my bone was exposed here. So I was able to touch my bone, and I make fun of it now. Um, this finger is the same thing. It was. It was. You know, it was torn open and um, it was repaired. Um, all of the scars are all black stuff. My nose was black also. Um, and then you wake up and your legs are all black and, and it smells and it's, and it's, you know, rotting really is what sepsis is. And so, you know, for, for, for everybody, my family and my therapist to, and my, my, my nurses to, to think going, this young guy at 25 is going to look down at this and going, what the hell has happened to me? Mm -hmm. Right, because all I remember is going to bed, and now I'm waking up, not knowing where the hell I am, what's going on in the last, because you have no idea, um, and we can go back to that conversation. But um, that's that trauma is different, and you deal with that in in. It's a roller coaster, is if, if if I can if I can if I can say that. Um, trauma always seems like that's a very good analogy that I hear a lot. It is. And I use it as well. Right. It's it's a it. You know, you go through a lot of moods and emotions, and you go through some some you know uh, sort of depression. And I, I mean, it's not some sort of the, you go through depression. And what it is 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 I think what's different in the second time around, what I actually had gone to choose to to amputate for me was I'm making the choice to amputate this time around, so it was an easier one. So I've reconciled it in my head. Um, whereas the first time around when you wake up like that, I became a hermit. I didn't speak to anyone for three months. I, you know, um, locked myself in my room for three months. Not only that, I made everyone's life a living hell around me for three months. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'd play music at three o'clock in the morning, sharing my house with my, my, my parents and my brothers and sisters. And they're like, it's 3 a.m. in the morning. Why are you blasting music? You know, people are sleeping. People are trying to rest just because you're not doing anything or whatever. He can't be blasting that at three months. But they can't say anything either because they know the hell you're going through at the time. But, you know, again, it's just all those emotions and all the emotions that you, that you deal with and, 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 and figuring out how to get out of that. And I think for me, it, I had both. It was a choice of, do I want to live that way again? Or do I want to move forward? Well, the first time that we met was in hospital, yeah. right after you lost the your, your leg. second one. Yeah, the second yeah, one. Second. And your mood, like, you were, like, wheeling around, chatting with everyone, all smiles yeah. and stuff. I'm like, this guy just lost his leg. And, like, he's all smiles. And But I didn't know you from the first one. And right. it's like, I guess you kind of took that experience and changed that perspective again, right? Yeah. Um, for me, it was the second one was, and this is going to sound really dumb. But the second one to me is like, oh, thank God, right? That I'm going to get rid of the second one too. And I can move on even further. You were so, in a lot of pain though too, right? Oh, of course. And, and that, I think that was the change for me. Um, or that was the big impact for me. So for 17 years, I talked about it earlier about taking medications, take, you know, living off Tylenol, Advil, morphine, anything you can think of to just be a person, right? To just get up in the morning, first thing you do is you take medications to just, so there's no pain. If I can describe it, my pain for 17 years was my foot being in a C-clamp. And every step that I take, it gets tighter and tighter and tighter throughout the day. So just being squished that way. And when you take off your shoes, and at the time I wore leg, bra I wore leg braces, when you have blood on your shoe, and you have a flood of blood in your shoe, you're like, what am I doing, right? So then that all kicks in and you're like, I don't even wanna get up anymore. Cause you're looking at that. Morning comes and you're like, do I really have to put my braces on again? 
for me, this, when I had my amputation, is that when I no longer have those issues of pain, was like, oh, thank God I don't have those pain anymore. I can go on with my day. Mm-hmm. I have not taken a Tylenol in, over, in almost four years. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Right? And to just, just to be aware and just be present to, to your family and your friends and everyone that, that matters to you, being on meds and being foggy all the time, you're not really helping yourself or anyone else around you, right? So for me to not be doing that and be present with everyone now and not be foggy and not, you know, being an ass uh, because of the pain I'm going through physically and emotionally and mentally. That's, that's what I was going to ask when you brought that up. Were you on, this is very personal, on uh, like antidepressants and stuff like that? Was that adding to the fog? Um, I was never, I was put on antidepressants and I think that's more, in hindsight, I think that's either a stigma that we obviously still are very much in Canada, um, the stigma on mental health, and also culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, a lot of, and I'm going to generalize here in the Asian community, you know, mental health, mental health issue is like, no, that, that's just your imagination. We don't have those. We can't. Scry yourself a river, go home, pack your bags live on right i don't know if that's generally an asian culture but i know in 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 mine anyway it's like no there's no such thing as 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 mental health you just deal with it It, you know no one admits to that so maybe i've never admitted and that's something that i didn't do for myself was admit that i had a mental health issue but this but but everything was there i was the anger was there the up and down moods were there um they you know it was explained to me and my family that the, the moods was because of the the medications I'm taking, the pain medications I'm taking, I was on the Percocets, the morphine, the whole bit, right? The gamut of, of, of pain meds. And what it does to you is when it doesn't remove the pain is you take more and then you, then you are relying on this whole thing of just, I'm just gonna keep taking more, I'm just gonna keep taking more. And I guess in hindsight now, you just never realize how foggy you were. Yeah. Oh, how, fo- how foggy I was. Um, and again, with the, with the, with the um, antidepressants, I don't think because I was never diagnosed to have depression, I never took them. And in hindsight, maybe I should have gone and said, I think I need help mentally. Well, a big thing with medication, physical or mental, is medication is always supposed to be like a crutch, right? To get you through that process, to get over the hump. Um, But just talking to you, it sounds like you kind of recognize some of the issues that you were dealing with. We're able to sort it out along the way without needing that intervention with medication. Right. Which is great, though, because, like, I'm in a spot now that <clears throat> I was on, like, six meds before, too, all for mental health reasons, um, where now I'm on one. But I feel like if I get off that one, <clears throat> that my world will, like, crumble. So right. So it's like, then I, I've got that reliance now. Of course, yeah. Yeah, because of habit and patterns and so on and so right. forth. But it's, it, that's amazing that you got off of everything, yeah. right? No, I'm, I, and I think that's per person, though. Like, I'm not absolutely, saying absolutely. right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's an individual thing. Yeah. Um, we all, I mean, I, I look at mental health issues as, a, as, a, as an imbalance in, in each person, right? So mm-hmm. my chemical doesn't work the same way as your chemicals would. Yeah. So it, it's never going to be a wall. I can't say to you, hey, man, get off that one. I can't do that. Yeah, yeah, like, it's not going to be the same for everybody, yeah. you know? So to go to, like, a positive end of this full mm-hmm. experience, you are now, like, there's posters all over Toronto of you. <laughs> uh, you were in Sunnybrook. You yeah. were in Jody Medic's bed, too. I won't call you not. Sorry? In Jody Medic's bed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there's, you have that connection to you. Yes, that's AAT. right. <laughs> and that was, that was your first time around. Yeah, that was my first time around. It was it was funny. They said, oh, you know, Jody or Jody. Or Jody. Jody. Uh, Jody was he, exact on this bed also. And I said, oh, you know, who's he? And he's like, oh, he's the guy on um, Amazing Race. Amazing Race Camp. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, so there's that, I guess, the six degrees of separation. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's, that's crazy how afterwards, and then we're, we come meet Chad and I go meet you. Yeah. And then um, we ended up going, you invited us to the basketball game. You remember the yep. so, uh, so that was background on that. So, then, yeah, so that, that game that you guys went to, that I invited you to, was um, a fundraising for West Park Hospital. Uh, and that was um, playing with the uh, Raptors alumni. So um, that was the second year, or the, sorry, the third year that they've thrown that. So uh, Raptors um, players come back and uh, they play. And um, I had an opportunity to, 
to play with J Dog and a lot of the the Raptors players, and you know it's quite an experience. I mean, yeah. to who you know, it's like, hey, I just played with the Raptors. Who am I? That's incredible, man. I didn't know that. That's it cool. was right after your invitation. Yeah, it was, it was shortly after. Yeah, I was oh, still wearing my yeah. um, my temporary prosthetic. Um, it was so that would happen in March. So that was two months after my amputation, uh, playing basketball. That's insane. Yeah, um, and I was still in a lot of pain, and actually, I think I still had staples at that point. I remember you being in pain, but you wouldn't. You were still going. No. Posting um, up under the net though. No <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I was avoiding a lot of things. <laughs> Um, I know J Dog got mad at me because he, he he threw he gave me a pass and I can't remember which play, which which Raptor player it was. He said you're in a lot of pain, so I turned to him, which was his trick for me to not to catch that pass, right? I was like, yeah. And then the the ball was coming to me, going, whoa, <laughs> like no, I didn't. so I didn't catch him. And J Dog was just like, man, I passed you the ball, you were open in. But obviously the tactics of like you know a, a real real professional player going. Hey man, you must hurt a lot. You're like, oh yeah, you know. So. <laughs> You're having uh, problems with balance, I think, and stuff too. Yeah, right? yeah. So uh, earlier on, you know, post amputation, you have a lot of volume changes in your prosthetics, and it doesn't fit some days. It doesn't. It fits some days, or it's too tight. Um, and then, of course, just losing a second leg at that point, and just being two months out of of uh, surgery. There, not only is there pain every time you take a step, but just to balance on. On, on pylons, if you will, um, you know, is, is <laughs> that's, that's one way yeah, I mean, I could, I could do that, if you could see that. So you're balancing on that, pretty much. Um, and two of those, so it's like walking on stilts, really. So I, I actually bring up the basketball game for a deeper conversation. Sure. Um, because based on that, so I brought my son. Yeah. So what year was that? Uh, 2019. Was it March 2019? 2019. So my son, six at the time? Yeah. So he's also had lots of experiences. I mean, like Paul Franklin, he's been around, he's double amputee, um, he's been around lots of people, like Chris Clothes, who's in a wheelchair and growing up, like this is, a, it was normal, I would say, yep. to be around these situations. Um, and, but I stepped away from the veteran community for a few years to deal with my own personal stuff. And yep. then, so I was starting to get back into it. And this was a part of like helping heroes heal and then meeting up with you, with mm -hmm. Chad going to this game, so I brought Pei, uh, my son, and he wouldn't go near you, just because of yeah. your legs. And it was like, to me, it, like I was like, I was shook. I was devastated. I felt like right. shit. Um, and I was like, like it, it made me, and I couldn't stop messaging you after, because yeah. I couldn't let it go. Like, that was something I couldn't let go. I kept on thinking about how, you know, like, it, it's... I couldn't be in your situation, and like, I couldn't imagine being in your situation. You dealt with it so well. And I was like, my son's being a little asshole here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and but it was like, hey, it's their kids, and they just it's something different, and, right? And it, it just I don't know. I can't even really put words to it. It's just, just yeah. I, I I find with kids, you just kind of have to. Uh, I mean, they're kids, right? They have no filter. Um, and and really, I, yeah, you might. That's probably not the first time that's happened. You, no, it's yeah. not. And 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 as but that's the know. part that upsets me, right? It's like. You know, Aristotle is nothing but an amazing guy and trying to do everything to make my son feel comfortable. And he's being a little dickhead. And it's like... Why you got those shiny shoes? Or yeah, shiny no, legs, exactly. Or, yeah. You know, and, 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 and the thing with them is they'll see it for, for that one time and they'll be afraid of it. And that's fine, you know, and I'll, and I'll approach them and use it as, an, as, a, as a point of education at that point, right? Uh, again, it's always having those positive opportunities. It's not an opportunity to be... To be hating on that child and you shouldn't really hate a child but it's like here's an opportunity for me to educate that child and ho hopefully educate the adult that's with the child also so then you know you could I, sometimes i go do you know iron man because you know who's which kid doesn't know an iron man right <laughs> they're like sure i do i'm just like iron man like i have iron parts that you know make me be a hero or make me you know yeah. be robotic or whatever then they kind of kind of let go of that and go oh yeah and then they move on with their life because that's how kids are <laughs> Adults tend to, to dwell more on things, um, and, and I get that a lot, and that's kind of what annoys me more. Children don't. When a, an adult kind of goes to me and says, and, and, and I get this all the time, uh, I don't know if it's because of my size, I don't think I'm that overweight, but uh, when they give you the head shake and go, diabetes, huh? Oh, oh gotcha. You're like, great. Yeah. It's like, that's wow, okay. you just assumed I have diabetes, right? And it's like, just ask me what, I don't, I don't know. Or, you know, stop staring. 
now I kind of take staring with pride, but um, mm-hmm. uh, this the, the staring bit is like. Now that you're losing weight, you take this. Uh, no, it's like, oh yeah, look at me, I got metal legs. Um, no, it's it's those, and and then you know, and and my veteran story, if if I could, uh, is whenever I, I I go to the United States, I always get a handshake and go, thank you for your services. I think we talked about this. I don't know, maybe I've talked to you about it or We've something. Had a few different yeah. <laughs> and and again, it's that assumption, right? It's like get to know me, maybe instead of making those assumptions. Um, especially the diabetes one. It's not everyone, like, what, what has it made up? The, you know, some people live with diabetes that live uh, perfectly normal lives. So you never know. Right. But I think it's just the point is just to make that assumption and not yeah. even giving the person any kind of... I think that was a big thing for me, too, even with my son, where it was like, there needs to be more education on this. Um, yeah. And, like, obviously, I, I felt like being in Canada, there was a lot of education, and... And it wasn't that abnormal to see these different situations, like people in wheelchairs, you know, people with missing limbs. But then mm-hmm. it was like, maybe this is something that's not really addressed. That was something that we ended up talking yeah. about afterwards, where it's even like accessibility and buildings yeah. and fire codes and stuff like that, where you start going like, shit, there's like, we're pretty far behind, really. I mean, we are. And, and, and you know, and, and just going back to the children, run, it's like, you know, now we have good examples that we should, we, we really shouldn't be lacking on educating kids. Um, Terry Fox is a big hero in Canada. Everybody knows Terry Fox. Terry Fox, and we should be using that as a way to to educate the children about, you know, limb loss and and uh, and people wearing prosthetics. Um, but yeah, no accessibility in in Canada in Ontario alone is, is crazy. We do not, from uh, a wheelchair accessibility to blind to anything that has to do with accessibility, we're just not there. Yeah. Um, designs are not accommodating any of us. Uh, any population really um, uh, to 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 have buildings accessible, to have materials accessible, to have anything accessible for anyone. So we're not being inclusive enough, and 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 we should really be starting that inclusion conversation with children also, because then they tend they tend to think to just well I go run around in school, but my friend who's in a wheelchair, I see them going through buildings, the school buildings, so they must be okay, but they're not. A lot of times, it's teachers opening doors for them, and that on, that in itself is not actually uh, helpful either, and it doesn't solve the problem because what we're teaching is ableism at that point, right? We're not giving that person or that child the 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 uh, sort of the, the education that they can do things for themselves, right? Sure. We're taking that away. It's like no, no, you can't do it, so I'll do it for you. Yeah, it's coming all. What does that do to? Almost like codependent. Correct. Or, yeah. Was like, well, let me open the door. I'm able to open the door. First of all, I am able to open the door. And one, and second, is you should make it accessible for me that I can open the door. Yes. Absolutely. That's inclusion. That's, you know, include me in the play, include me in the games, include me in the, in, in everything that you do. Another big piece for inclusion <clears throat> that we've discussed before is, uh, and accessibility would be receiving prosthetics. Yeah. I think the general thought in Canada is that our healthcare is great and you get everything that you should need, but then you start talking about, and this isn't this is something that I just learned from you recently, mm-hmm. uh, that someone who has prosthetics, it costs them. I'll use the term arm, an arm and a leg here. Like, <laughs> that's literally it's, it. It it's, really does. Yeah, and uh, that's not. It, it's something that needs to be brought out into the public. I think as well. I right. mean, in the military. Or, you know, you say you're, like, blessed, but, I mean, there's sacrifice that goes with why you're covered. But, but you would think that you would get, like, the bare minimum. You were explaining it, and I'm not going to try and explain it because I'll butcher it and sound like a fool. But maybe you could explain what, like, the bare, bare minimum standard is for someone who is going to get a prosthetic. Right. So, um, in Ontario, and the, and the weird thing about this is that's why it's hard to advocate for changes in funding. Because each province handles prosthetics differently. Um, the out west, Alberta, Saskatchewan, have a little bit more of a forgiving um, and amazing, actually, prosthetic program because their province, the provincial government, covers prosthetics. Here in Ontario, uh, we have the assisted device program, which is uh, 75% of the cost. The unfortunate part of the 75% of cost in that statement is that 75% is not the, of the actual cost. It's 75% of what they feel that they should cover you. So a couple of issues is that the cost of prosthetics 
um, in those standards has not been updated since 1975. So that's 45 years ago. Very empty. Right. <laughs> yeah. A cost of prosthetics, to your point, is an arm and a leg. My legs alone, my one leg, is close to $20,000, right? So imagine a, a person that has, we'll just say the one, has a $20,000 leg, and the government sees you, the government sees that you only need 75% of $3,000 because they feel that your leg should not cost $20,000. Because the way the government sees your using of a prosthetic is to go from your couch to your kitchen to your bathroom. That's the life that they want you to have, right? They don't expect you to have a life that you would be socializing with people or going to Physical being independent, life. right? Being independent for yourself. Again, in that same thing that we talked about of providing accessibility, they don't expect you to do that because that's the roads aren't meant for you to be walking on that. Snow removal is not meant for you to be walking on those. So they feel that, you know what? We're going to cover $3,000 uh, or 75% of your $3,000 cost. So we're going to give you $1,500, $1,700, $2,000 most. And now you're stuck with a $20,000 bill. So then what are you going to choose? Obviously, you can't afford the other, you know, uh, $17,000 of that. So you start a GoFundMe page or hopefully you have Which a spouse so that nice. has It's almost insurance. degrading. Like that's, it's an unfortunate situation. You're not put in that. You're not wanting to be put in that situation. And then to have no. to go out there, it's almost like panhandling at that point for Absolutely. your own well-being. Right. Um, to dumb it down a little bit for people, like you, you did this for me, and I think this is the analogy that you used, was that the, the, the standard would almost, and we talked about Terry yep. Fox, it would be pretty much what Terry Fox had, right? Yeah. So what I call it the World War II foot is what it is. Um, it's a, technically a wooden foot with a rubber you know, foot around it to make it more aesthetically pleasing. But it has no ankle movement. It has no, you know, it is. It's literally <laughs> a peg leg. It's a carved wood um, that you know that that they gave out to 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 patients. And again, it's it's been it's that's I mean that's it is. It's seventy five. You know, it's it's a wooden leg, and they expect you to be just. They figured if they give you one of those, you'd be okay to live. But what the government doesn't see is. Somebody like myself who would like to consider myself young, who's still going to be very active and still going to be paying into my taxes and working and everything like this, right? That if you provide me with a leg where I can actually be um, contributing to society, I'd have a better life. Yeah, and you right? actually contribute more to the government, which in terms, yeah, absolutely, full circle. I'm not, I'm not yeah. eating off the government by being at home, yes, getting social assistance or whatever it may be. Now going into depression and eating more into the healthcare system by now being overweight, having a heart condition, having blood pressures, that I'm going to eat up later in the hospital. But the government doesn't see that picture, right? They see that, no, no, we provided you a leg, you're good. Hmm. So to touch on that part too, um, you have, and I'm a firm believer in getting out and being active, especially yep. for mental health. Um, yep. And I think that's probably tied into why you're mentally your mental health is very strong yeah. because you've been out running, exercising, right. all those things. Um, <clears throat> it would be safe to say that if everyone had that standard, they would be ju not just contributing back to society, but for themselves. Like, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's taking care of yourself, right? Taking care of yourself uh, mentally and, and just being fit and healthy. For me, a lot, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a different case in that um, as, a, as an athlete or as a, you know, wanting to be an athlete um my my workout and and my running is more rigorous than somebody who may not really benefit from something like that however they'll still benefit mentally if they have the opportunity to walk outside for five ten minutes right see their friends have a cafe go to a mall there's a lot of those things that feed your emotions that sort of takes away whatever it is that you're in a hole for for that day just seeing sunlight mm -hmm. right just getting out there and just saying Hey, I can do this. But if you're provided with a leg or not provided with equipment at all to be able to do that, what do you think that does to the person mentally and emotionally? Mm -hmm. And their family. And absolutely. Right? Because then their, their friend starts isolating themselves also because it's like, well, now I have to go pick you up and now I have to go haul your chair in my car that doesn't fit, you know. And now we have to do all these extra things to just go, go out with you. Right. And then even though your friends may not be saying that or may not be doing that, you yourself do that to yourself because you self-sabotage. Yeah. Because now you feel going, oh, my God, if I go out, I'm going to have to have my friends do this. Now they're going to have to fight. 
Exactly. Right? And so then you're causing more issues for yourself, both mentally and emotionally. And so what you're left with is a person who's just on the couch dealing with all this by themselves. Whereas if you prepare, prepare a person for success to be healthy, again, that walk in a mall would change any, you know, we talk about shop therapy, just shopping and going out for the day. If you give that person that independence to maybe go out for themselves to shop for groceries, shop for clothes or whatever, those are the things that make us feel good, that we did something for ourselves. And why are we not sending people for that? We're not, you know? We just let them, we just might as well, because the, the initial cost is too, is, is little enough that it's not gonna affect a lot of things, but people don't look at it from the long perspective of, you know, if we keep this person on the couch, they're gonna have more issues. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing the ties to, uh, to the military side too with, and, and I hate Systems. the term, but like rejoining society yeah. um, is, is massive for mental health. And, right. and like you said, it's, when, you don't, when you don't have to be codependent, you can be completely independent. You just feel better about yourself. Absolutely. I, yeah. I find it so inspiring. Like, uh, I mean, we've been friends for quite a while now, and I, and I follow you on social media. I find it so inspiring to watch all the things you're doing, and it's like, oh, and it fine. inspires us, too. Like, I mean, I remember uh, earlier this spring, I think you rented a bike or something, and we yep. biking around, and, like, I looked at my girlfriend, and I was like, I don't remember the last time I rode a bike, you know? Like, I, I'm starting to feel bad about myself, <laughs> right. right? Like, um... But, but, but it's amazing, man. You're so inspiring. Thanks. It's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, I, I definitely, I think that more people need to vocalize, kind of like what you were saying earlier. Don't assume, you know, don't, like, don't just stare. And I've been guilty of it, too. A lot of the times, uh, there's a good time in Gagetown. There was a guy that was coming in, and he had, don't know what it was, to be perfectly honest, but he had a disability with his arms. Mm -hmm. And he is in there, and it's like, had to tie weights onto his arms to work out and stuff and i was like i'm looking at him i'm amazed but then looking back now he's probably like why is this guy fucking staring at me where i should have taken the time and gone up and been like hey man i'm looking at you but it's because i'm fucking inspired by what you're doing i'm right. fired yeah. up looking at you yeah. right doing this and I, I think that's a huge piece where people um people could get into a funk that are in your situation where it's right. like you assume the negative. That's that mental mm -hmm. health piece, mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, you're, we're always going yeah. down that rabbit hole. Where right. it's, I mean, Usually it's the other way around. There's more good people than not, I think. Right. That yeah. are really, it's inspiring to see people getting out and actually overcoming these situations. Right. Yeah. Um, so, what, uh, I know running, you've taken up golf. Yeah. How's that going? Pretty bad. <laughs> hey, that's a tough sport. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've played golf my whole life, and it's still pretty bad for me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, having golf with you, I, I like. I find it so inspiring, and, and, and I say this all the time. And, and we're gonna figure it out. We gotta get you into a golf fitting. I think it'd be so cool <laughs> oh, to find yeah. like the right clubs that work for your game. You know, right. like and spending uh, time with someone too that like we've spent time yeah. with you. Whenever we go out, we try to like. Yeah. You know, help you out where we can, but it's we're yeah. not those people that like it would be great to see you. You're gonna end up getting yeah. better than us. I don't want to see you get better, <laughs> yeah. but, like, but it, it is really inspiring to be on the course. And you know, I remember when we went to Islington, they're at the like, guys are in tears. Like, see, it's right. like you know, you think that you have a rough day, it's, it's not that bad. Like, yeah, but my, my thing is, um, and I think I've shared, I might have shared this with you also, and a lot of you guys. Um, I, I think I shared it with you on our first meeting because um, you say you know the, you know a lot of people going oh my god why am I complaining in my life right yeah said I don't I shouldn't have to be the one to be the one validating you everyone has their own demons everyone has their own fight I'm doing this fight because I can handle this fight right you're yeah. giving your 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 fight and your issues because you have you can deal with that fight any way you want to deal with it is yours right I should be the one going I should be the, I shouldn't be the one telling you or my actions shouldn't be telling you, I shouldn't have the right to complain. You have every right to complain. Everyone yeah. has their own demons. And, and I'm not one to, to go, well, man, like, don't, like, suck it up, buttercup. Look at me. I, yeah, yeah. I, not for me. It's not my, it's not my thing. Yeah. I, I just, I, I think that people don't, and, 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 and I take it with my, myself too. I don't have to be validated by anyone to say, hey, man, you know, uh, good on you. I mean, that's great to hear. Yeah. You know, and, and I appreciate that when, when people say good on you. And, and, and I just want to throw this in there. My running is not because of I wanted to show people um, that I can run or I can do these things and I'd be inspiring. 
and I've written this a couple of times on my social media and a lot of interviews that I've done um, for running. Um, my running is actually for me. And, um, and that's what I learned about all these things, that the things I do is, is if you do it for you and, and you do it with the passion that it is for you and your own health and your own men, you know, mental health, it's rewarding. Right? My, my running is, and I've been vocal about this on social media, my running is so that I can be in the zone for myself that's actually when I troubleshoot stuff in my own life. When I got my headphones on and I'm running, everything, everything around me is black. How far do you go when you run? Um, I do 5Ks. Okay. So on every run. I've been, the whole time we're talking about running, I'm just picturing this, like your first time yeah. you're putting the legs on to go out for that run. What's that what like? What was that like? Um, so that, that was an interesting one because I was still in hospital for my first amputation. And I said, you know what? I've always enjoyed running. Um, I wanted to do this, but I didn't know how to do it. And I did have running blades then. It was just, you know, the prosthetic that I'm wearing right now. And while I was still in hospital, and this is about goal setting now and achieving goals. And, and, and again, doing things for yourself. And I wanted to do this for myself. I didn't tell my doctors, my nurses, or anyone. I signed up for um, the Good Life 5K marathon. But I did the 5K, but it was a Good Life marathon event, which was May. So I set a goal for myself that in May, I had paid for the, for the race. In May, I will run, however slow, I will walk and run this race. And how far off is myself. May at the time? This, so I was in hospital January, February. So, around, so May 5th was the first race that I signed up for. And I was still in recovery without a leg yet. Was still without a leg, right? It's still just, I was still in recovery. I just had surgery. You know, I said, I'm gonna sign up for this race and I'm gonna do it. I don't care how long it takes me. I don't care how slow I go. I don't care if I walk or run it, I will do it. Um, so signed up, secretly signed up, didn't tell anyone. I've been hinting to my physiotherapist that I, that I would like to get more active, that I like to do these things. And, uh, you know, not mentioning that I had signed up for a race. Come race day, I didn't even know what I was thinking. I was just sitting there or standing at the start line and said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. Um, at first, I was like, okay, no one has ever taught me to run on prosthetics, so I'm just going to run like I knew how. My legs forward in front of the other, right? <laughs> Take one step at a time. And as cliche as that may be, it's just, it is one step at a time. And so I just started going. I'm like, hey, you know what, I got a good rhythm. Let's see if I can actually jog this. So got a little more rhythm and started jogging it. And then third K in and I'm going, I'm actually running. I'm actually doing this, right? And then, then you see third K is always my wall when it's like, why am I doing this? That's when the, when I go in life, that's my third wall. Like it's like my third K wall, just like everything I do in life. It's like, why am I doing this? What is this for? Why am I hurting myself? What's this? And then you see on the fourth day, you see the finish line and you're like, yes, I'm almost there. I have one kilometer left. I can do this, right? And that's in Angela used to life. There's a finish line, man. And then your, your energy picks back up and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna run this. And then it became, there's a photo at the end of that. I gotta look good for that photo <laughs> when I'm crossing the finish line. You gotta fake it at least. Yeah, like so you gotta put on that, you know, it took me a while to learn to finish, finish line smile because all my photos look like this. All right, because you're in pain, but you know, you, you then you put on the stance, you're like, Yeah, I'm finishing this, right? And then, but that's it, you finish, you finish. Um, and I don't care that they say, Oh, we give a medal to everybody, but it's my medal, I earned it, I worked for it, it's for me, it's not for anyone else watching here. That means I accomplished something because I set a goal at the end of this race that'll complete this fifth, this fifth leg of my race. Wait, Wait. You, can't, you can't tell me that like inspiring others isn't a spark to help kick your ass to get there and you know what i mean like like this okay so so yours is physical so it's like it's anyone who meets you it's very easy to see and so right. quickly i mean kind of understand what you're overcoming or yeah. the obstacles you've had to go to get to there for like for me that's everything that i do is technically for me but like this podcast is for me right like it's my way of doing the same thing, where I'm using my situation to relate to others, right. but I have to vocalize mine because right. it's all mental. Um, but by doing so, I am like I know that inspiring others or relating right. to other people. That's like the spark. 
Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, so. absolutely. I think, I think um, from there is, to me, and that's the, to me, that's the, um, not so much a spark, but the silver lining of it all, right? Exactly, yeah. Right? If, yeah. If, if I help you in my own sort of conceited way of me, <laughs> of doing this for me, um, great, you know? And to your point, like, you know, about going out there to actually making sure that you're, not so much making sure that you're inspiring, but you're somehow, that there's that push to be inspiring? Absolutely. It's, a, it's being able to relate and use your situation and go, fuck, like, I've, it's a shitty situation. Absolutely. And I know, and you said it at the beginning, too, where you went, the first time you went through it, you were in the funk. Yeah. Like, the, that roller coaster. And, you know, anyone that I know that's gone through the military shit, whether it's they've dealt with it now or they're going to deal with it mm -hmm, later, mm -hmm. knows exactly that roller coaster. And of course. it's kind of... Like, you can either try and identify with something to use that shitty situation to get back out and do something, yeah. or you can let it eat you alive. Absolutely. And, you kind of, and that's what you've done with your running. Yeah. It's like me with, you know, communicating with others and finding resources. And same with anti-technical right. yeah. Toronto. Yeah. It's the same yeah. thing. It's like finding you. That's a big thing that I think is important to, to say is, like, anyone that's going through something, it's like, start looking for that passion. Like yep. A lot of people will dive into work and stuff like that, but at the end of the day... That work ends. What are you going to do with yourself? Right, and I think, and I think, I, I, I think that's what I was alluding to earlier. Is that, is that there's hiding and there's covering, um, in that when we say, you know, I going back to, the, what's it's that? A, it's avoidance. Like it is. It is. It is. To, right. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you know, um, I don't have mental health issues. I'll go to work nine to five. You yeah. know. Meanwhile, you're like, on the way to work, you're dreading going to work, and then you you put on so much energy to be functional at work, right? And then you get home and on your ride home, you're like, I can't wait to get on my couch and just drink or whatever your, your vice is, right? Yeah, to find something else to avoid. To, to yeah, avoid the whole thing. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. right? And then years later, you're like, wow, I should have like really looked at this thing yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and head on and dealt with it. You yeah, know, you, but you put it on a shelf early and then you gotta try and take it off later. And yeah, and that's the finding, finding what's for you. Like right. the avenue and the path that's yeah. for you. And yeah. And, and, that, I, and I distracted myself too for 17 years. I traveled the world. My job, I thought my distraction was if I'm pursuing my love of travel and I get to travel the world, which I did for work, thankfully, I thought all my problems will go away. But it didn't go away because physically it was literally killing me. Now, I, if I travel, it's for fun. I don't travel for work. But I'm physically healthy too. But I was covering that whole thing because I thought if I just you know, shove something in to cover that up, it's going to make me happy. It wasn't making me happy. Alcohol, drugs, food, yeah. sex, Anything. video games. Right. I've <laughs> heard that line too. It's like travel won't help it because you come along. You can, yeah, it's you like can you're coming along on it. You can keep running place to place, but you can't run from yourself. Yeah. No, it's absolutely. Just, uh, you know. And my mom said that all the time, and I hope she doesn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you look like you were going to say something else here again. You were like, I saw you leaning in. And Hold on. I'm still back on this run <laughs> because I run in the mornings and I, jeez, I don't know how I was in a light infantry. I run too. <laughs> you and I are supposed to go for a run. Yeah, okay. That didn't happen. <laughs> so when you did the 5K run, what was the max run you'd done before that? Or was that your first Zero. run? That was my very first run. Oh, that's balls. Yeah. So, this, <laughs> that's so just to clarify, this is your first time like getting up to speed at all. Yep. That's incredible. So you're at the start line it's just incredible. saying, like, but you, you've walked around on them. You just haven't done a run yet. Yeah. Fucking I just hell. haven't done anything. But now it's a different setup than these ones. Yeah. So I have running blades now. So now he's cheating. Yeah. No, I'm not cheating. <laughs> there's, no, there's no proof of that. It's been, you don't, you don't awesome. have any ankle pain, foot pain, calf <laughs> no. pain, and you get a spring-loaded blade. You're <laughs> cheating. So, and, no and, shin splints. Yeah. And it's actually funny that you say, you know, that you, so Sunnybrook uh, runs with that story because I, my, my story is I ran a 5K after five months of being an amputee. And that's to your, the picture that you're talking about that it's all over Sunnybrook is my life-size picture of me in every Sunnybrook location. Um, because my story is I ran, I ran a 5K um, after five months of being an amputee and in Sunnybrook's care. Which um, is a good story for someone. It, it is, right? So, um, but now I run on running blades and, um, and, and those are the ones that the Olympians wear, the Paralympians wear, and, and those are made of carbon fiber. And um, it gives the same, um, I wouldn't say feedback as a, I haven't run with my own pair of legs for the longest time, so I wouldn't know. 
but it has this it mimics the same ankle movement push off energy return as if you're pushing off your your ankle same you know thigh works out he's not even working out anymore he's just the blades doing it for him <laughs> yeah no. like the ones we've all seen uh in you the can't say his name for sure you can't say his name. I know. I, know. I, I probably couldn't name any Olympians. Well, like, how much would that cost? Okay, so this is this is another good educational piece because yeah. Yeah. a you get your walking like regular everyday prosthetics. Yeah. So for your situation, there's forty thousand right there. Yep. Then if you want to be running, so then running actually get some something good to be running in is another. Yeah. So that's not covered at all. So that's coming out of your own pocket. Uh, Which is fucked. Yeah, every one of those is between five grand to about fifteen thousand dollars, depending on the setup. Just the blade alone. So um, you would use that same socket, but then replace the bottom part. Is that how that works? So that's my setup right now because mm. that 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 technology, if you will, came out just a couple of, a year or two ago, where I can swap um, my legs with the same sockets. Um, but technically, in the past, you can't do that. You always had to have a different socket for each different setup. Um, a setup of a socket is $3,000 to $6,000 by itself for just a socket, right? Um, but because of I'm not uh, running professionally or in competition, I can swap out my legs just wearing the same socket. But if I were to compete at, at Olympic level or even provincial national level, I have to get a socket that is meant for competition because then the IOC will not approve my socket use the way it is set up right now. So that's Can another... Canadians think hockey is expensive. Yeah. 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 Uh, running is very expensive for me. Uh, yeah, my, um, I'm, I'm thankful and bl- feeling really blessed that I've made the, the Challenge Athletes, uh, which is a foundation in the United States that granted me a pair of running blades. Um, there is no fund in Canada that does that. There's no athletic fund for Canadians to do that. Um, and to compete at, at, at any kind of racing level or running level. Um, for me, anyways, as, as an athlete. So um, I'm lucky in that Challenge Athlete Foundation had donated two running blades for me, but I had to still fund the, the figuring out my socket, the, the way my sockets work, the time for my prosthetist to work on that. So then I had to go fund me that also, because that's the only way. I could get my sockets made because the government does not cover any 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 of that. I have a really stupid question. Mm-hmm. How long does it change? How long does it take you to change them over? From my from my legs to my running leg? Yeah. Two seconds. The, the socket. I don't think that was a stupid question. The socket? Either. No, you mean the socket? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so can you do this on camera? Yeah. yeah. Is it still oh, wow. it's like, up there? It's like quick release. Uh, yeah. Right? So it's actually called a quick release. Wow. So it just comes right off. So it's like, it almost looks like a bike part. Yeah. You know, basically. So this is titanium. Right. Right. Um, and then, so I put my running blade, which has the same quick change uh, adapter on it. Right. And I just twist this, twist this back on. You should have told me you bring it today. I'm I so, even think that's, that's, yeah. that's a good. And that's it. I, it that's like, good to know. And I'm going to sound so weird when I say this, but as being like a, a just a tech guy, I love gear of all times. Right. I just find that so fascinating. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whether it be golf clubs or like, right. I've always wanted to like take stuff apart and put it back together. So, to right. me, that's like... Well, my foot alone has three pieces to it, right? So there's this blade that comes this way, which is made of um, um, the same material as a helicopter. No, that's good. Oh. This is glass fiber. Wow. Right? So do so we... You are Yeah. 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 And then, so there's this piece that goes in a J this way, and yeah. then there's two more parts that goes this way, which right. is the foot, the flat part, and there's an, a rubber piece at the bottom that, that mimics a heel. Right. So that when I'm stepping, I'm doing the same movement as you would on a regular. Right, right, right. That's normies. Yes, that's normies. You normies. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, it's, so that, that material is the exact same material as a helicopter. That's crazy. so crazy. Okay, so now you've done the 5K. Yeah. How do your legs feel after that? Like it's were they well, attached? To, like how? Um, well, you get you get sweaty in there if you if you want me to be that gross. Uh, it's literally making soup. Uh, after a race, I can literally flip, or after running, I can flip my socket and drain the sweat <laughs> that pulled in there. Right. Um, it does hurt uh, eventually because just imagine running and your your limb, your residual limb is hitting all sides of a hard carbon fiber yeah. socket. Right. Um, and then on top of that, I'm on a vacuum system that pulls air out. So imagine 
that feeling on your limb all the time that's oh, squeezing okay. you to hold on to you. Every step you take, this thing pulls air out so that it... You can hear it, too. Yes. Yeah, it does it. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I'm sorry, it's my leg farting. It's not me. Because yeah. it will make the farting sounds, right? Yeah. Because if you get moisture in there, like sweat or anything, that air just comes right out. Wow. And it'll make those flapping noises and you're like, oh, sorry, that's not my ass. <laughs> <laughs> this time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so you, you know, you get the same... Um, I guess runner's pain. Um, I may not have a Charlie horse, but my calves, which is wrapped around to complete my, you know, to cover up the, the removal of the limb, um, that's just taking abuse from hitting the, the, the carbon fiber socket and, um, and the vacuum in my, in my case. And there's people who don't, there's, there's, there's athletes who don't wear vacuum systems, just one of the systems. They wear like a pin socket where their limb is literally pounding the pavement like this every time they run. Wow. But they endure that pain, and we all do, and just because you have a race to do. As an athlete, I mean, you're a hockey player, you guys play sports, mm -hmm. you just kind of live through those pain because you know you have a, a thing to do you have, as an athlete, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, um, I, I play sitting volleyball too, and my shoulders are shot, but I knew I had games that weekend, and my team's relying on me. That's right, yeah. You play through. You know, so after that is it's probably not a good idea to t tell people that you play through those, but you do as an athlete. That's just reality. Every yeah. athlete does goes through those, you know, play through the pain kind of thing, right? And, and right. to your point earlier about me playing basketball, I played through the pain because I knew I had to do something. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm letting my team down if I don't. Um, so you get an injection to fix your shoulder, sure. But I, at that time, I have a game to play. You would probably regret it long term too if you just conceded to that pain, right? It's like oh, a absolutely. mental mental hurdle to get over right? oh absolutely for sure yeah so you've also founded it the mt coalition of toronto yeah holy jeez <laughs> stuff right um uh so my understanding of it is you advocate as for all the different reasons that we've already yep. discussed um but it's also like a peer support right it is it started as a peer support group um for amputees in toronto originally because when i left the hospital, I felt alone. Um, you know, and I only felt normal when um, I was in hospital surrounded by other amputees. And I'm sure you guys kind of feel the same way that exactly. when you leave, you know, the service and you're alone, you're like, what now? All I know are my, all my brothers are over there. Like, yeah. why am I over here? You it's know, small, smaller demographic and you're in a big city. And right. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, and then just because of what I learned of my first issue with, with my own life and everything else, it's like, no one should have to feel that way. There are there, there should be resources available for people to go through this journey of leaving that institution, of being institutionalized in a hospital, being an AMT. They should feel normal when they're outside. Again, addressing the whole mental health issue. You're not alone. Because a lot of times when you leave the hospital, in my case, it's like, I'm alone, man. Like, I have nothing. I don't know who to talk to. You have a lot of body image that you have to work through. And to work through that would normies as you put it yeah. it's like how would a normie how would, i shouldn't be saying that really uh, how would a person understand that you know with all their limbs understand i have no limbs man that's the reality though that's like us with what we say we say with cities yeah right? it's like you haven't lived through it so how are you going to understand it right right but personally both sides here yeah Derek gets called yeah. Yeah. Caster, yeah. how dare you not go through some fucked I'm up a, shit i'm a normie <laughs> i'm a normie and a civvy i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> right so, yeah, so I started the group that way and, and, and throughout, you know, since we started in 2017, um, we, you know, exposing uh, amputees to actual active lifestyles. You know, there are sports available to you. There's things you can go back to. And I think one of the things that, that um, you know, helping Heroes Heal has, has helped is bringing amputees to golf. Um, we had a player last year, an amputee who's never, who hasn't played golf in 12 years and went to an HHH event, and he's like, wow, I didn't think I would golf again, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah, and cool. so, and he played, and you know, and he's, and he's still playing. He played yesterday without inviting me, so that's like, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm huge on like not having the blinders on. Like, I know that there's so many different organizations out there that are like very hard on the, you have to be a veteran, you have to be first right. responder. And as much as like, I understand that that's the core of it, you're going to relate to a lot of other people that have been through some different situations like yourself mm -hmm. and you're going to build great relationships. And that's, right. that's a big piece too, is reintegrating this society and 
you know, it'd be like having those people with us. Where right. It's like, okay, now they probably feel a little more norm, normal, if you will, um, yeah. knowing that, hey, even though that, that guy's not showing some physical issues, I know he's walking around with some shit too. Right, so right. it's like, it, it just broadens your perspective on right. life. And, and it's a camaraderie too, right? It's, it's, it's that although we didn't share in the same experiences life-wise, but there's certain parts of our lives where they somehow cross. Absolutely. Right? The gray areas of life. Yeah. It's, yeah. Right? Um, you, you may not be dealing with an amputation for yourself, but you could be dealing with some same demons I would be as far as, you know, taking those meds, for example, or how to get out of the, the bed in the morning, or how do I do these kinds of things, right? So there's those things as well that, that you can relate to someone. And then there's those veterans who are amputees who may just be sitting on a couch and going, now they see me, if you will, and say, hey, that guy went out to a golf game. maybe i can do that too it's really just that like if you if you're seeing that and like maybe i can do that so if i can if you can spark that interest in any group really exactly then that's then you've gotten your your goal of as to why you have this this spear group right yeah and that's basically what what the empty coalition is is it's to show you whether you stick with it or not it's just here's an opportunity for you just so that you know the resources available and there's things available to you for sure so if uh, and, and like that was a big part of having you on too, is that there are veterans out there that are obviously amputees. But it's great to to show that we can, you know, broaden our mm-hmm. camaraderie and work together. And you know, it's about a bigger thing than just like our specific demographic or right. us as person individuals. Um, so if someone were an amputee, civilian, veteran, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, wanted to reach out to you, how would they do so? Um, well, we are on Facebook, so Amputee Coalition of Toronto. Um, so there's also the website, www.amputeecoalitionoftoronto.ca. Um, and just reach out to me. I work with a couple of hospitals too. So, um, you know, uh, we have our name or uh, I peer support in hospitals as well. So there's that entry. But if, if you're listening to this and, you know, you happen to have not crossed the hospital path yet, because, again, that's one of the other issues that we have in Ontario, you can reach out on the website or on Facebook. Friends too. Like if you got a friend that may benefit from whatever resources, and it, oh, it's absolutely. a lot more than just uh, you specifically do a lot more than just putting together events and stuff like that. You are yeah. every day advocating and trying to find. If there's, if you guys know of somewhere that is not up to the expectations, oh, absolutely. Let Curtis yeah. know and he'll go out. Yeah. You know, I was I just did an interview with the Toronto Star, so <laughs> <laughs> nice. if there's anything at all that uh, is bugging you or you need, ad- you know, I speak about advocacy and I speak about it lightly, but um, I am in there in in the front lines, uh, you know, me- trying to make change and trying to make our politicians realize the lack and or the gaps in the care that 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 we receive, and 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 I'm not focusing specifically for amputees. Um, the ADP program affects everybody whether you are uh, able-bodied now or not. Eventually in life, you're going to need a wheelchair, a cane, a crutch, whatever it may be. And that's the same program that funds all of that. Yeah, your mom, dad, yep. me in the near future. This is yep. going to impact you at some point. At some point. So it's, 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 for, it's also for everybody to link arms with us and help us because it's not just our issue, it's everyone's issue. Eventually, yeah, you're going to need it. And the system better be there when you need it. So if we can help, if you can help improve it now, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you coming out and chatting with us. Uh, yes, I'm sure that we'll have you on again. Thank you for the educational piece too. I think it's very important that we spread more awareness from yep. the whole situation that's going on, specifically here in Canada, obviously. Yep, absolutely. Um, so thank you for coming in. Anyone yeah, else? Thanks for inviting uh, me. Thanks for being so inspiring, man. Do you have a the, like a public Facebook page? I do. Okay, perfect. And yep. it's just Aristotle. Aristotle Domingo on Facebook. Domingo. Um, MPTO on Instagram. Awesome. Check those out too because you've got some pretty inspiring content. It's pretty cool. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. Awesome. Quick, little, quick little talk to the audience and reaching out and how they're sharing with us. is uh, It's quite inspiring for us. So if, you know, I don't want to get into names or anything, but if you're holding back and you want to reach out to anyone on this, I'm just starting to see like, the value and the reach of this podcast, especially over the last week. Um, so I guess you know, we've, had, we've had family members reaching out and stuff and um, try not to like get emotional right now but yeah yeah it's uh, it's uh, yeah well Thanks. you're getting to fill and here's the, what I see especially with Matt's episode take over I, your episode here yeah, no no <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like the, the end wrap up of the show <laughs> but we share stories and especially 
the guys like Matt, where there's maybe a loved one that is trying to piece in those, put those pieces together of what really happened on that tour or something. So I think where I'm going with this is if you're listening to this and you're a veteran and you want to get on this show and share your story, it's probably going to do a whole lot of good for a lot of people out there that can piece together what happened to their loved one on a tour. So I just sure. leave that with you out there. And for of sure. Course, and if, and if anyone wants to reach out to us, uh, reach out to us through the Facebook page. Um, we are, we're always answering all the, all the messages that come in. So 